Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for what today? What day is it? Wednesday, uh, June 9, 2021. I'm Blessing Eddie O.A. Jr. Joining me is Tim Geddes, and the background for a second was uh, MCU interview. I guess reactions. Yeah, it's bringing everything up, it's right? You know, it's almost everything up. It just threw me off so C3, hard. Three, baby. <laughs> There's so much going on. I'm just letting everybody listening or watching know that for the next, let's just say, 10 days, you know what, fuck it, next 100 days, there's probably going to be a lot of technical problems going on. There's probably going to be things off track schedule-wise of when things are supposed to happen, whatever. But we appreciate your patience. Tim, we're mm-hmm. only a couple days before. Uh, what's today? Today's Wednesday. We're only a day away from fucking uh, Summer Games Fest kickoff. Yeah, dude, it's Happening like tomorrow. Eve season, whatever. It's all complicated. But yeah, that is it. That is exciting. Bless. Mm-hmm. We're what's the, what's your hype levels right now? Where are you at? Oh, my hype levels are extremely, extremely high for the, the weekend as a whole. I, I think now that we have the actual schedule and like last night, I was spending a lot of time looking at the calendar, trying to like figure out who from our team is on what reactions and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I started getting even more excited because it's just like, all right, there is a, a lot, a steady clip of of big deal announcements going to be made over over the weekend but like there's a couple heavy hitters that i appreciate how kind of dispersed they are over the next couple days because we have kickoff live right yes then we have uh we have the uh ubisoft geek week yes there's there's but then (laughs) ubisoft on saturday then we got microsoft and square sunday then we got the monday capcom seems to be the biggest thing and then mm. tuesday we got nintendo and it's like and uh also bandai namco which uh, elden ring we'll see but i like that we'll almost every day with the exception of friday kind of has its tentpole like the yeah, big one main event with the main event yeah and i love that yeah god i'm super excited again that all kicks off tomorrow is summer games fest kickoff and it's going to be going going on over the next week very excited for e3 but tim we're going to keep talking about E3 because today's stories include Battlefield 2042 and it not having a single player, Call of Duty skipping E3, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong. by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash games, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you we got a duo big podcast episodes up as of this morning ps i love you xoxo is all about answering your big ratchet and clank rift apart questions i'm joined by tim gettys himself and steve sailor aka the blind gamer uh, we talked about accessibility we talked about what ratchet and clank uh, rift apart means for the ps5 we talked about a whole lot more along with some recaps as far as god of war getting delayed in 2022 it coming to ps4 and what that means for that game and horizon and the rest of the playstation first party bunch but that's not all that went up this morning. Uh, we also got a new episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Uh, the crew is joined by Khalif Adams, and they got to check out a preview of Battlefield 2042, and they break down everything they saw. Uh, those are both available right now on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and on podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Donovan Harkness and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Honey, Caviar, and Credit Karma, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be. The Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. Uh, Beaker's Dozen. 
starting with our number one. Tim, did you get to check out that Battlefield 2042 reveal trailer? I did. I did. Looking kind of damn hot, if I do say so myself. Yeah, man. They did a they did a whole countdown for it, an hour long countdown for a three minute like cinematic trailer. And the cinematic trailer looked really cool. Like the, it was it was very much like a high budget like. Hey, this is this is the the direction, the vision we got going here for Battlefield 2042. Before we get into the details of it, because I am going to pull an article from The Verge by Andrew Webster talking about what what we can expect from the next Battlefield. Uh, where are you at? Like, how'd you feel about the trailer? It's also playing right now for the video watchers. Uh, I mean, I thought the trailer looked fantastic. You know, and like like just utterly utterly cool as hell with the tornado and all that. It's just like. I seem like it seems like there's going to be a lot of really cool like emergent gameplay experiences and the fact that it's multiplayer only uh i'm interested in how crazy this all seems like i like that they're trying to have those big epic set piece moments in multiplayer not just in the more traditional single player that they would be found um yeah. wingsuits are always cool i think that they're definitely trying to do something to differentiate this from other multiplayer shooters out there 128 car- players is insane um especially with like this level of visual fidelity um, and I also think that it's cool that they're just sort of going to the future a bit and getting away from actual wars. There's been so much controversy recently about video games glorifying all that stuff. So this at least allows them to get away from that and also allows them to be fucking weird if they want. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into some of the details again. I'm pulling from Andrew Webster at The Verge. The next Battlefield is coming this fall, and it appears to be bringing plenty of mayhem. At an event today, EA revealed Battlefield 2042, the latest entry in DICE's long-running shooter series for the Xbox One, Series X, PS4, PS5, and PC through Origins, Steam, and the Epic Game Store. Among other changes to the formula, the game will introduce new tornadoes that move around the map, wingsuits so players can fly around, and weapons that can be customized on the fly. Quote, In Battlefield 2042, the world is on the brink. Shortages of food, energy, and clean water have led to dozens of failed nations, creating the, ref- the, creating the greatest refugee crisis in human history. Among these non-patriated are families, farmers, engineers, and even soldiers. Amidst the crisis, the United States and Russia draw the world into an all-out war. No pat specialists join both sides, not fighting for a flag, but, but for the future of the non-patriated in this new world, end quote. 2042's new maps reflect this bleak setup. They include a map set in the Antarctic where players fight over oil, a version of Doha besieged by sandstorms like something from Mad Max, a dried up seabed in India filled with the remains of stranded ships, and a gleaming South Korean metropolis uh, where players have to seize control of a quantum powered disinformation hub, Uh, end quote. Dynamic events appear to be a big focus. One map takes place amid a rocket preparing to launch into, into space. DICE says the maps uh, have been built with next-gen hardware in mind, and the biggest change appears to be the sheer number of players. In the main mode, all-out warfare matches will feature 128 players if you're playing on PC, PS5, or Xbox Series X. For older consoles, that number will shrink down to a more standard 64. Outside of that mode, 2042 will also have a squad-based mode called Hazard Zone, which DICE stresses will not be a battle royale, as well as a third yet-to-be-announced multiplayer mode. The game won't feature a traditional single-player campaign. When 2042 does launch later this year, EA says that it will act as a live-service game with seasonal battle passes, both free and paid, uh, that will push the narrative of the world forward, as well as add new features. Battlefield 2042 launches on October 22nd. And yeah, Tim, I'm I'm with everything you mentioned before, right? Like... The scope of it seems cool. I like that they're going for the future. I think that that gives them the opportunity to have a fresh story that isn't 
necessarily rooted in the controversy of trying to tackle real life events that have happened in the politics around around all that stuff. Of course, with future wars and stuff that is rooted it quote unquote rooted in reality, you, there's still room to have that controversy. Controversy, and there's still room to have political commentary and make real statements and all that stuff. But it being in the future, I think gives the multiplayer for only. It. I think we're going to avoid a lot of that. I mean, maybe they do mention that, like the, with the with the seasonal thing, they are going to try and loop in some narrative into the world of Battlefield. Sure, that's going to work swimmingly. Not a chance. Not a chance I... in hell. When what world has lore mm. and stuff ever mattered in a multiplayer shooter? They have it. I mean, they, I'm Overwatch... not saying they don't have them. Yeah. Okay. okay. Overwatch is a little bit different because Apex. it's character focused. Okay. okay. I, I don't know if I'd use Apex as an example. <laughs> Apex but, has like there there is a group of people that care a lot about look, the Apex lore. You are right, and that is true about any mm. aspect of any video game ever. That there is For a sure. group of people that care a lot about that thing. For sure, uh, I, I think that there's a lot to talk about here. Obviously, I think the big controversy going on right now is the campaign versus no campaign and all that, and seventy dollars multiplayer only title. I think there's a lot to dissect there and really break down. I think at the end of the day, the thing I'm uh, enjoy most about these Battlefield games back in the day was the giant grand scale multiplayer stuff of like Battlefield 1942. Uh, but in modern times, I feel like I haven't connected with a Battlefield game with the exception of the campaign in Battlefield 1. But that was a flash in the pan. That's not what I expect from Battlefield. That was awesome. The war story stuff, I thought it was a really unique take on what a first person shooter campaign could be. Having the kind of more vignettes that were these smaller stories in a larger thing uh, really, really worked for me. And showed off what that game did well but i think with what where we're at now it's like they're not doing that and i think that at the end of the day that's a good decision i always kind of root for games to really focus on what they're actually trying to do and accomplish that thing it never made sense to me uh that they're always trying to add co-op modes to single player narrative games and like all these like multiplayer like you could do this it's like yeah but nobody like that's not the point of this like you're just trying to add replay value and add like add value to this thing i like a commitment to no the experience we're creating for you is worth x amount of money now in battlefield 2042 is 70 dollars for a multiplayer suite gonna make sense in 2021 when we have things like warzone that are free that's the bigger question for me and that's where i think a lot of people's predictions uh that this is coming to game pass i think really 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 start to come a little bit more true where it's like i can't imagine this game succeeding on a major scale if it is just a 70 dollars release that uh is multiplayer only especially with their focus on uh season passes and all of that stuff mm -hmm. yeah i i've been very curious in terms of how they're going to how they're going to pull off this battlefield game this fall because i think over the past decade, we've seen first-person shooter uh, multiplayer games evolve and change, and the whole landscape of things to shift. The most popular shooter nowadays is Fortnite, and that is a, a third-person shooter battle royale with a cartoon style that is family-friendly. You know, you have games like Warzone that is also free, right? And you have premium Call of Duty, but those the, the, the premium deathmatch multiplayer games coming out in the fall are becoming way more fewer and far between because things are changing. Battlefield, you know, my question for it has been, all right, what are you going to do that's going to make it a better one than the last one? One that sticks around longer than the last one. Because if you remember the last one, you know, I know I know quite a few people that played the previous Battlefield game and, and, and enjoyed it fine. Um, but they also put out that that Battle Royale mode that really came and went. And you could tell that they're trying to throw they're trying to throw throw shit at a wall and see what stuck and see what didn't what didn't stick. And I think that 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 would need to lead to them for this one. 
you know, adjusting based on the things they learned from the last one. And so the lessons that they seem to learn so far is, hey, let's let's get rid of the single player and let's create focus. Let's find ways to make this a premium experience, especially because they're going to charge $70 for it. If they're going to do that, they have to find a way to make this thing stand out and make it a, make it a thing that people are going to show up for. And to your point about Game Pass or EA Play or finding ways to, to get people in, I think that's going to be huge for them, uh, building a player base. But ladies and gentlemen, with us here, we have somebody who has checked out Battlefield 2042, Paris Lilly from the Gamescast, or from the uh, Xcast. Paris, how's it going? No, I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, I, I just wanted to chime in on this. First, first and foremost, please, everyone, go check out Xcast. Myself, Snowbike Mike, and Khalif kind of broke down um, the, the entire preview for Battlefield 2042 because we got to see it early. But the thing that you two were talking about with the campaign, I had just innocently tweeted out, I thought this was the right decision to remove the campaign because it allows... Uh, DICE and EA to focus on what they do best, and that is the multiplayer, right? Um, but a lot of pushback on that, that people were upset, and it kind of surprised me. Um, I had a Spaces discussion where I was actually getting additional feedback, and it's interesting that I take the point of view that the Battlefield campaigns outside of Bad Company have been mostly forgettable. Four or five hour experience, you play it once, you're done. The meat and potatoes of Battlefield is the multiplayer, and I, the thing that I take most from this, and Tim, you kind of touched on this a little bit, like when that battle pass comes out and they try to quote unquote tell the narrative through the multiplayer, Destiny, Bungie's been able to do it with Destiny 2 recently, but ultimately I don't even think that's really a thing. The people are there to play the multiplayer. They're there to give it their friends, 128 people on these giant maps and have just all out chaos. You're going to get hundreds of hours of entertainment out of that. So losing five hours of a campaign that is ultimately going to be forgettable that's taking time and resources away from dice it takes years to make that stuff right so instead of waste basically wasting time on that focusing on the multiplayer and if anything spin off bad company into being your big set piece campaign thing they could make a separate battlefield game that is focused on campaign do it at bad company and i think that would work a lot better but ultimately what I think is going to have to happen here in the short term is EA is going to have to have their messaging on point to explain why in a world with Fortnite and Apex and Warzone and all the rest that you you can charge me $70 for this. They have to yeah. show and explain why it is okay that they're going to charge $70 for this because I even saw this on Twitter. You know, a lot of people are obviously expecting this to eventually come to Game Pass. Some people are saying, you know what, after a year, they're just going to make it free to play anyways. Why are they charging us $70 up front? So I think their their PR and their marketing has to be on point. Yeah, right Paris, I bummer. mean, dude, I'm right there with you. And like, here's the thing. It's like, I, I think the debate of campaign, no campaign is like the reality is the campaign's not here. So let's take all of that conversation out the window and just focus on what is here, which is a $70 multiplayer only game, uh, a multiplayer only battlefield game in a world with like blessed was time about the Fortnites and all that, but let alone call of duty, multiple levels of call of duty and call of duty and battlefield have went at each other year after year for a decade plus now. Right. And I think what's interesting is looking at the trajectory call of duty had and the fact that it did blackout, right. Was that the yeah. battle yeah. royale? That was the one that was in uh, Black Ops. That didn't hit the same way. Right? It didn't really like do what they were trying to do. And that, that not I don't want to say it was a misstep because it was a required step to get to Warzone. Like that's just how yeah. this development was. It was works. a learning process. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Battlefield 2042 is going to be enough of a step 
or if it's too late for EA to be making steps with Battlefield in this landscape. And like, that's the thing is at the end of the day, it doesn't always need to be a competition of the goal is not simply outdoing Call of Duty. The goal is just doing a good game that a lot of people like yeah. playing and that they're making money off. So looking at it just that way, there's a potential for this game to succeed. I don't think it really has the potential to outdo the other things. And I just think that when the... Everyone has limited mindshare and it's only getting more limited as more and more opportunities are out there and more and more free opportunities are out there. They're going to have to have a really damn good reason for people to pay $70 for this uh, multiplayer experience when there's so many super high quality free experiences right next to it. See, the thing that I think they need to do is they need to make Battlefield 2042 something that an experience that, can, that you can only get in Battlefield 2042. Them talking about 128 player matches and it, it it's seeming to take what the heart of Battlefield is and what people love about Battlefield and furthering that and pushing that and putting it into these big environments, which from previews and from hearing Paris talk as I listen to the Twitter spaces, uh, seem like they're going to be very impressive. I think the more they can, they can push on that and the more they can refine that and the more they can do that, they can separate separate themselves as something that is like an Overwatch or something that is like a Rainbow Six Siege, something you do want to pay for and something you can only get there. You know, them not them them not doing um, single player and then also not doing battle royale. I think is evidence of, the, of of them being like, hey, let's make Battlefield its own thing. Apex for EA right now is holding down the flag in terms of battle royale. Apex is killing it, and I think you know for Battlefield, I think it was called Firestorm, which is their battle royale. For how how badly that one did, I think that is the lesson of, yo, let's just not do it. Let's just not let's just not try it. Let's figure let's figure this out. And if we went to down the line, maybe we could do a battlefield, uh, battle royale spinoff thing, or this yet to be announced mode. Maybe it can be some sort of twist on battle royale. Like it could be like I I, I could oh. easily see them being like we don't want to make a verbatim battle royale in this battlefield game, but if we can make a battlefield or a battle royale like mode that takes some of the awesome things we love about Battle Royale, like the big maps, large player base, uh, last man standing elements, and then Battlefield eyes it, yeah. you know, somehow. I think that could be the thing that makes it work, makes people go, okay, I can only get this experience here. Let me buy Battlefield. Totally. Paris had to bounce out. I saw him in the chat saying that, uh, that he had to drop. Thank you, Paris, for dropping through. I, I'm upset that you had to leave because I wanted to talk to yeah. him specifically about this. Uh, what's interesting, Bless, of what you're talking about is, yeah, it's like, there are we've hit a point that multiplayer shooters aren't just one thing there are different kind of verticals and genres of what they can be whether it's battle royale whether it's deathmatch whether it's you know the more tactical side of like a counter strike or a, a rainbow six like there's room for all the or hero shooters of like uh yeah. of uh, overwatch there's room for a lot of these things and there's room for crossover between those like the, in the venn diagram of of the shooter genre but this fall to really compare things apples to apples of what's coming out and or at least what's expected to come out it's like this is going to be like the point of battlefield 2042 is a more traditional big scale multiplayer shooting game right mm -hmm. what else is coming out halo infinite which is going yeah. to be a big team battle focused vehicle based granted it's different in, in terms of like sci-fi versus not sci-fi or whatever but at the end of the day in terms of like the space that it's going to take up in the industry um i think that it presents a, an interesting hurdle for battlefield 2042 it's i think it's going to be an uphill battle for battlefield against all of the factors we've just talked about whether it is the war zones whether it is halo infinite everything in between especially because halo infinite's on game pass it's going to be quote-unquote free for uh people with, with game pass and if mm -hmm. battlefield 2042 isn't and it's 70 like there's just oh yeah it, i'm 
not betting on this game. Yeah, I, I I hear exactly where you're coming from, and I and I like I'm kind of in a very similar place of this, it is a it's going to be a very uphill uh, battle for Battlefield, no pun intended. I want to see I want to see them land it. Like I want to see because I, I, I from from everything we've seen, everything we've heard so far, I think they got the right things in mind. I think they got the right vision for it. It is going to be all about execution and it's going to be all about how are you going to operate in this space? Yeah. Next to all the competition, next to a new call of duty, next to a new, next to halo infinite and next to all the things that are already ongoing. I'm very excited to see how this fall shakes out because it, I think it is going to be the battle of the first person, like the, the return in the battle of the premium first person shooters. Yes. And which we're going to see which ones have the stuff. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. And I don't know if everybody's going to make it out. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't think that's they are. The, and, and, the fun and thing I, about it. Look, I mean, here's the thing, man. Battlefield has has had trouble with that the last couple iterations when it mm-hmm. turns into them going up against other people, even if they're going up against themselves. Going up against Titanfall 2, it's like, sure, Titanfall was the loser there, but that's still a shooter franchise that is proof that there is a limit to how many of these games can be released in a in a fall timeline with a good enough player base. The world has changed, though, with the iteration of an evolution of things like Game Pass and EA Play and these services that allow money to be made for games in a, in a way that isn't just straight up buying the game. Mm-hmm. So I there is a chance that it does succeed. They just need that player base. The game needs to be good, and they need the player base. If they can nail mm-hmm. those two things, they've succeeded. But that's going to be difficult. Tim, I want to continue this conversation with story number two. Call of Duty Vanguard is skipping E3. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Activision will not reveal its new Call of Duty game during an all-digital E3 2021 event this week, VGC understands. Instead, the publisher has opted to reveal its next premium FPS entry later in the summer, likely via an in-game event in free-to-play Warzone, as it did last year with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. This year's game is is called Call of Duty Vanguard, developed by Sledgehammer Games, uh, and is currently on track to release on current and last-gen consoles, plus PC in November. Vanguard will feature a campaign, multiplayer, and zombies modes set uh, in the European and Pacific theaters of World War II, with this plot centering around the birth of modern Allied Special Forces. Last year's Call of Duty entry, Black Ops Cold War, scrambled to integrate with the hugely popular Battle Royale game, which launched just six months earlier, with its weapons causing messy balance issues at launch and a modest update to the, to the existing Verdansk map uh, not arriving until months later. For 2021's game, Sledgehammer has had far more time to prepare for Vanguard's Warzone tie-ins, and we understand it, it has a significant amount of content planned for the Battle Royale game, which will officially transition to a World War II setting just months after shifting to the 1980s. The plans include an entirely new Warzone map, the series' largest and most ambitious to date, this time planned to coincide with the release of the game rather than arriving months later. The Vanguard map is said to be set in the Pacific theater of World War II and is significantly larger than Warzone's current Verdansk environment. So yeah, again, like coming back to the conversation of the Call of Duty Battlefield fall we're going to have, I'm super curious and super excited to see what Call of Duty Vanguard does to to stand apart and actually continue the cycle of Call of Duty continuing to sell well. Because them shifting and not showing up at E3 so that they can... One, like have their have their own announcement to themselves, and two, use Warzone as the platform to uh, market the next Call of Duty. I think fascinating, but then also speaks to the power of Warzone. Like Warzone yeah. really is that thing for Call of Duty that has reinvigorated the franchise in a in a in a huge way over the last year. Look, man, 
the, the proof is in the pudding and it's an unfortunate thing for gamers like me, but it's just the reality, which is Call of Duty makes a lot of money. Call of Duty's made a lot of money for a long time. And now Call of Duty has found new ways to make even more money where Warzone has changed the game. And now the core Call of Duty titles are supplementary to Warzone, both from a gameplay perspective, but also just from a money-making perspective. But they still know that putting out a Call of Duty every year is going to make them a shit ton of money from sales because they're consistently in the top 10, if not even higher, right? Mm -hmm. But taking those... Uh, assets and, and the development of those games and transitioning them into Warzone is kind of like they have this perfect set of circles going where it's that that little infinity symbol you know where it's feeding into yeah. itself everything and they're just making a lot of money what does this mean though it means every Activision team is working on Call of Duty in some form and that's why we're seeing the death of Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and Tony Hawk and all the other Activision properties when you look at Activision as a whole 10 years ago and compare them to now they used to release so many video games at this point what are they releasing that's not Call, Call of Duty. Duty, Overwatch, or uh, Diablo? Yeah. Like the Blizzard stuff. And like even that is like light, right? That's it. That's it. That's all that we know. And mm -hmm. maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll figure out something. Maybe the teams can work on other things. But as we've went on, even in the last five years, maybe even I'll go seven years, the amount of teams that have just been completely gobbled up by I mean honestly one of the big three modern warfare right like uh, yeah. you you saw uh you saw Tony Hawk go away you saw Guitar Hero go away you saw like I, I feel like it's died been, yeah Neversoft died um Treyarch you know got brought into Call of Duty like so many studios over the last 15 years yeah uh, under Activision just got brought into to Call of Duty um because now it is about supporting that one franchise for them mm-hmm and that just shows the money's there, the success is there, the players are there. And mm -hmm. where's there at this point? It's Warzone. Yeah. Now, we know we know Battlefield is coming out October 22nd. November uh, November is when Call of Duty Vanguard is set to come out. What does this do for you and what does it do for you in terms of Halo Infinite? Like when do you think we get that game? And how do you feel like the dates are going to kind of play around with each other? Look, man, here's what we're dealing with, bless. Like mm -hmm. things the people, the winners have kept winning and the people that have struggled are falling behind and the people falling behind right now are battlefield and halo call of duty is so many miles ahead of the two of them because they have had a couple iterations now that didn't hit the same way that halo one through three battlefield 1942 did right mm -hmm. so with that or even like the other games after that even like the more like the bad companies or the halo reaches right like when we look at like Halo 5 and Battlefield 5, comparing that to where Call of Duty is right now, it's like, man, y'all are competing on a different level, but th there's still a lot of heavy competition there. It is going to be such an uphill battle for all of them to prove their space. And we're talking about the, the campaign and multiplayer and the $70 and all that. Halo has to nail the campaign and the multiplayer because unlike Battlefield, where Paris was like the thing most people look for in Battlefield is multiplayer, some people like the campaign, but most people like the multiplayer. Halo is one of the rare examples that it is an equal split between campaign and multiplayer, where people have expectations for both that are extremely yeah. high. Yeah, I'm. I'm again super curious about how the, all this is gonna gonna shake out. Uh, yeah, man, what a wild fall this is gonna be. What do you think? For how do you think we're gonna uh, re react to Halo by the time we get to uh, the Xbox conference? Like, do you think the conversation around Halo is going to be entirely different from what it has been do you think that do you think sunday is going to make us go okay this is the one this is the one that's going to shine this fall 
hard to think that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's hard to think that after having just seen it like months ago, that now we're gonna see it again and be like, oh fuck, they did it, they nailed mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean ago, that right? I'm it's not excited. Like, it's been like eleven months because we got we. I, I believe yeah. that that hey, that Xbox first party presentation where we got that Halo uh, gameplay mm-hmm. demo that was July. July, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is that is a fair amount of time. But like, I, the problems that that looked like it had seemed to be foundational, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And that's I. We'll see. I I, I want to be excited. I am excited. It's Halo. I love Halo. I want to see a return to Halo. And honestly, for a lot of the flaws people had with or issues people had with that game of like visually, I like that it went back to the old school look. I am nostalgic yeah. for that type of shit. Um, it's just a matter of like, does the gameplay hold up? Is the campaign good? Does, does Halo work in 2021? Um, mm-hmm. Those are all the things that I think that they're going to need to answer. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they do. But the thing is that ha- being on Game Pass gives it the inherent leg up because there's a, a player base there. Mm-hmm. Tim, before we move on to our next story, uh, I want to tell you guys about patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Of course, that's where you can go where you can get the show ad free, but you didn't. And so here's some ads. This episode is brought to you by Caviar. Loving good food doesn't necessarily mean you're able to cook well. If you want a great meal but need a little help, let the restaurant come to you. Caviar can help. How often do you get the best of both worlds? If you want a chef-cooked meal but don't want to leave your, the comfort of your own home, Caviar can make it happen and make it happen for me very, very often. I thank them very, very much. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Uh, Caviar keeps it local. That's what's really cool about them all the hidden gems in your neighborhood they're on caviar trust me all my favorite taquerias yeah they've been delivering to me thanks to caviar not sure what you want to eat let caviar's staff picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite and just for you guys caviar is offering ten dollars off an order of twenty dollars or more all you have to do is put in the offer code kind of funny at checkout remember that's ten dollars off a purchase of twenty dollars or more with offer code kind of funny download the caviar app and use the code kinda funny come on guys ten dollars off that's awesome uh next up honey if you want to save money you better be using honey baby we all shop online and we've seen the promo code field taunt us at checkout but thanks to honey manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart honey supports over thirty thousand stores online they range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands even food delivery i always talk about this everything from best buy to etsy you're saving money using Honey. I have saved so much money. Kind of Funny has saved so much money just by installing it once. It's so easy. It's in your browser, and then it does all the work. When you check out, it just applies coupons. You're saving money. It's free. Why wouldn't you use this? Uh, if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It just takes a few seconds to install. It's so easy. Go to Honey. To, go to joinhoney.com games. That's joinhoney.com games to get Honey for free. Joinhoney.com slash games. And finally, let's talk about Credit Karma Money. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back into your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members. 
members and counting. Uh, right now, you can visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Creditkarma.com slash win money. Story number three, Tim, we have breaking news. <clears throat> Overwatch now supports cross-platform play on PC and console. This is from Cameron Faulkner at The Verge. Overwatch launched in 2016, but it's getting a significant feature update today. Blizzard Entertainment has launched crossplay in beta, and it'll let PC and console players pl uh, play games uh, in matches together. Until now, the communities on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch were segmented, but this update should make it easier to find online matches to join, whether it's with your friends or with random players. Some of the most popular online titles feature, feature crossplay support, like Fortnite and Call of Duty Warzone, and it bodes well that this feature may be supported earlier, or earlier on in the game's upcoming sequel, Overwatch 2. Crossplay is a welcome, if overdue, feature to have in Overwatch, but it might not be all, uh, all that you're hoping for. The update doesn't enable cross-progression between the multiple copies of the game that you might own, so your collection of skins and XP, le uh, XP level on, say, hmm. your, level, your collection of skins and XP, say Nintendo Switch, won't carry over to other platforms and vice versa. Though, that might not be the case in the future. In a recent Reddit AMA, Overwatch technical director John LaFleur said, quote, given the additional complexities of cross-progression, it would probably make most sense to tackle cross-play first uh, and then explore progression as a potential add-on if we go this route, end quote. Blizzard says that in order to jump into the crossplay beta, you'll need to make a Battle, uh, Battle.net account. If you haven't already, it's been a requirement for PC players, but it has been optional on console. You'll then need to link your, your respective console account to Battle.net within your account settings. Doing this will allow you to play with your friends you have added on Battle.net instead of friends that exist within your own console's own friend list. Tim, mm -hmm. I love Overwatch. Do you know who else loves Overwatch? Andy motherfucking Cortez, baby. It's the year of dreams, right everybody. It's, it's the year of dreams. It's finally here out of the fucking blue. What the hell? There was no prior hint. They're just sort of dropping this beta. Um, I watched the full video. Everything you said is correct. It sounds more that uh, in that article, it sounds more like cross progression is something that they would like to do, but aren't sure. But in the video, they're just like, it's not going to be available at launch. We're working on it. It's just not at launch. Um, yeah. So cross, cross progression is sounds more of a, a definite thing. But the way crossplay will work is you cannot play competitively. PC players will have to be against PC players. Um, console players will have to be against console players yeah. on competitive mode. Sense. But in the quick play casual mode, um, it's sort of um, if you're a group of PC players, you will only play against other PC players. But if there's a group of let's say it's you, me, and we get Simon Cardi on there and he's on his PS4 or PS5, then we can possibly play against just other PC players as well. Um, mm -hmm. It all depends on the sort of group that you're doing, but uh, definitely console-only players will play against only console players. This is fantastic news, especially when you when you look in the uh, the way that squatting up works now, where or queuing up works now, where it is based on uh, uh queuing up for a role 
uh, Andy, me and you have talked about how it can be tough to find matches when you don't have somebody who wants to play tank or you, ha you don't have somebody who wants to play healer. And so if you're playing attack, it takes forever to match up with somebody. This uh, this is going to help expand that. Of course, not for competitive, but for quick play and free play and stuff. This is going to be huge. This is going to be a, this is this is going to be really dope for that. Oh, yeah. Queue times are going to drop drastically, I feel. Oh, I mean, that's you, huge. You wait four minutes to f if you just want to queue up as a damage player. And that's always been sort of the thing. So it, and then because of that, people that don't want to play support or tank will be like, oh, fuck it. I'll play support and tank. And they do a bad job because they don't care about those roles like the people that actually want to play those roles. So this is huge across the board. I cannot believe how just shadow dropped this was. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Great stuff, man. I love this. I, I think that the the cross progression stuff, like, I like that they're working on it. I love the transparency. We always talk about that being the key with this stuff. And yeah, what Andy's saying about this coming out of nowhere, this is great. We just spent the last 40 minutes or whatever talking about the future of shooters and all this. The, the foundational stuff is important and getting into preparing for Overwatch 2. They got to get this stuff down. So get it down now. Get all the kinks out. Figure it up because they're going to be competing with Fortnite and Warzone and yep. Battlefield and Halo and, you know, whatever else, the Counter-Strikes and the Rainbow Sixes, so many different genres of shooter. But Overwatch needs to maintain its dominance of the hero shooter. And these are the type of decisions that's going to maintain that. Yeah, I love that this answers that question for Overwatch 2. I also love that they're able to pull this off because this is fairly impressive for a game that came out in 2016 before crossplay was anywhere near being a, a regular thing. Like 2016, like Rocket League was still like still didn't have crossplay. Like people were still fighting for that. And it wasn't until like a year or a couple years later where that started to become more more normalized. And so this is a thing that they've been able to able to implement way post even probably considering that this was a possibility. That's really impressive. Good on Overwatch. All right, I love you guys. Bye. Love you, Andy. Bye. Bye, Andy. Story number four. According to the gamer website, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is coming to PS5 this Friday. Uh, this is from Rhiannon Bevan at The Gamer. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order's PS5 release is this Friday, according to a source speaking to The Gamer. EA has remained tight-lipped on any specific dates so far, but this latest news reveal this latest this latest news reveals the publisher will be shadow dropping the upgrade to players in just two days. According to a source from a UK video game retailer, stores have today received physical copies of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on PS5 and have been told by the head of office that there will be there will be an a, a quote announcement and release on June 11th this Friday. This news also confirms that the upgrade will get a, a physical relaunch. Anyone who already owns the game and a PS5 console will not have to buy the game again as it has been, as it has been confirmed that there will be a, a free next gen upgrade. This physical launch will just be for those who, who missed Jedi Fallen Order during its original run on PS4 and now own a PS5. Love it. E3 season, again, is here. It's awesome to, it's awesome to see this, too, because EA isn't really... Like, EA isn't participating in E3. Like, EA Play, I think, was announced for later in July. And so the July fact that we're getting... Yeah. July 22nd, yeah. It's so part the fact of Summer Game EA Fest. News, yeah, exactly. So this feels like... This could just be a random drop that they're, that that they're doing because it's ready, or maybe it's a summer games games fest kickoff thing. Who knows if this is going to appear anywhere? But either way, I mean, really look, cool here's news. the deal: this is not really. I mean, this is cool, and actually, I'm excited about it. I'm going to buy this because uh, I I've been starting a PS5 physical game collection. But uh, it, this just isn't news. Like this isn't like an. Uh, sorry, it's news. It's not an announcement. It's not a For E3 sure. announcement. It's not an EA Play announcement. It's just oh, a game that's already out is coming out again. <laughs> like 
there's going to be the, the upgrades and stuff, but it's not like there's added content. It's not like Final Fantasy Seven uh, Remake Intergrade, where it's like, okay, we're taking a PS4 game, putting it on PS5, and there's all this exclusive stuff here. This is just, oh yeah, it's the game with the patch mm-hmm. that you already have. Th- th- this to me strikes me as something that you would stick just like casually in a presentation, like especially in EA Play, like after they got after they get done talking about Skate Four again, like okay, yeah, now let's talk about you know what we got working on with Star Wars, and then maybe they talk about Battle Battlefront Two updates, and then by, they're like, by the way, here's Jedi Fallen Order, it's coming out on PS Five today with these improvements. You know, I feel like that would be the context in which they would talk about it. The fact that it's yeah. coming out on a on a random uh june 11th on a packed super cool june 11th man like, a packed like, june 11th too yeah we got resident clank we got final fantasy 7 and we got this it's like what a time to be a gamer oh specifically yeah. a playstation gamer hell yeah man looking forward to it last news story for the day story number five naughty dog is hiring for its first standalone multiplayer game this is from andy robinson at vgc the last of studio naughty dog is hiring for its quote first standalone multiplayer game uh, a pair of new job ads for a gameplay scripter and level designer describe the project as quote naughty dog's newest adventure and suggest that the developer is attempting to adapt the story-driven experiences it's known for into an online game quote embark on naughty dog's newest adventure the studio's first standalone multiplayer game the job ads the job ads read quote we're seeking to, to bring the same level of ambition and quality of our signature story, story-driven games to this unique multiplayer project. This is a rare opportunity to make an impact in your discipline and craft an experience that will be enjoyed and shared by millions of players around the world, end quote. It's likely that the multiplayer title is The Last of Us 2's delayed Factions multiplayer mode, which has, been, which has possibly been expanded into a full standalone title. The job ads also match with comments made by PlayStation Studios boss Herman Holst this month, who hinted at a narrative-driven online experience coming from PlayStation. Quote, who says that multiplayer experiences cannot have great stories, right? He said. Again, this is, I mean, we, we, we know Last Blast Factions is happening. Uh, I think this is nice as confirmation that they're still for sure working on it uh, because you never know, you know, what things get announced and then just disappear for whatever reason. In Factions, I could easily believe that they're, that Naughty Dog would get to a point where they're like, nah, we don't need to put this out. We can just work on the next game. But I, I, I love that it seems like they're, they're still doing it. And uh, the taking that in context with the Herman Holst quote, I think is interesting. Because that kind of harkens a little bit back to what we were talking about with Battlefield. Well, the quote's funny. He says, who says the multiplayer experience cannot have great stories, right? I did. That was yeah, me, like, Herman. Tim Getty, Tim yeah. Getty said that. Come, come listen Tim to this Getty episode. That's literally <laughs> what I just said. That's that's really weird. No, that's the reality, though. And like, cool. It's going to be some fun little nice things. If we, Here's the, the difference between this situation and a Battlefield situation. Is Battlefield mm-hmm. would be throwing us into a world where the lore, they're kind of just creating on top of, like, just for that moment. This would be lore that's uh, feeding into Last of Us 1 and 2, which is already such a narrative-driven thing. So we're going to be able to notice Easter eggs a lot easier than other people. It's the equivalent of us watching the MCU Disney Plus shows, where because we've watched 24 movies, when there's a reference, we're like, oh, shit, I know what that what they're building here. Whereas in Battlefield, it's just, that's not building anything. Having said that, mm. I doubt that this, there's going to be a great story in this game. Saying it now... We'll see. I hope Damn. that I'm wrong. Wow. <laughs> the shade. The shade of multiplayer I mean, stories here, Tim. Dude, I mean, come on. Like, let's just be real about that, right? Like, uh, mm. Paris brought up Destiny, and it's like, Destiny, even then, it's like, that is the best example, period. And it's like, with that, it's like, there is a lot of lore, a lot of stuff going on, but like, that's not the focus in any way. Um, yeah. But you know what is the focus? Quality multiplayer experiences where you're playing with your friends. That's where Destiny excels, and that's where I think this can excel. I love this. 
this episode has a theme to it for sure of kind of funny oh, games yeah. daily. Um, but I, I, I was said it at the top of the show and I'll say it again. I love when developers are like, this is what we're doing. This is our vision. We're not going to have a million different things. This, this is them being like, we're going to make a standalone multiplayer game. It's not a mode in Last of Us 2. It is a standalone multiplayer game. I think that gives it the best chance for success, best chance for a player base, best chance to actually be a quality title that's not tied specifically to mechanics of a single-player campaign. And mm -hmm. more than that, it's like the story stuff, cool. It's Naughty Dog, mm -hmm. so I expect greatness. But what does greatness look like in a multiplayer scene? We'll have to see. But if anybody can make that matter, it's Naughty Dog. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm su I'm super looking forward to this. I think uh they they announced or not announced. It was reported a while ago that they hired an like a, an economist to work on uh, uh, what the the in-game uh, monetary systems are going to be and all this stuff. And I think that, again, speaks to you what the scope is for this thing. Like, I think it's going to be bigger than what we got for Last of Us Factions on the, uh, in the original Last of Us game. And I love Factions. I thought Factions handled ha handled what it was uh, perfectly. Uh, you know, the, the idea of it having a narrative to it, having a, a, a story and world to it, I, I, I definitely feel where you're coming from in terms of we are not going to play this game for the story, like not 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 whatsoever. I do think it is a nice backdrop to have. I do think you know, I, I like, I I I like there being, it's like you said, right? I like there being things that I can look to and be like, oh yeah, that ties into Last of Us, or oh yeah, this feels like it fills out the world, or hearing certain character dialogue while in battle in the way that you get in something like Overwatch. I think that does such a good job of tying characters together and giving characters personality and giving the world personality. I love stuff like that. And like you said earlier, I think Naughty Dog is a studio that will probably excel at that type of thing. And so I'm, 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 I can't wait to, to see what they do with it. Absolutely. Real quick. I do just want to say, cause I see this chat talking about this, uh, like calling me out. I'm not talking about MMOs. Final Fantasy 14. Yes, there's a story that that's the point. It's an RPG. Like that's what they're building around. Mm -hmm. And all the multiplayer aspects of that are building into that. I'm talking about shooters. You're talking about like PvP shooters. competitive yes. games. Yeah, You're yeah, talking yeah. about like the season pass Bro, games. This, like the, this the, guy's never the, even heard of the the story in Fortnite. You know what I mean? Like Fortnite? he has no idea what's going on. Ne neither do I. If anyone knows, please uh, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> Tim, I'm yeah. so excited for The Last of Us Factions, but Factions, or whatever they call it, is just so far away. If I went and was coming out to Mongrop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got No More Heroes for the PC. Uh, no More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle for the PC. Actually, that's very exciting. Go play No More Heroes. We got uh, a PC because No More Heroes, some fun games, some good games. Uh, Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis is out today for Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. And then Green Hell is officially available on Xbox One and PS4 today. We got one deal of the day for you. There's a Bandai Namco sale going on on the Nintendo Switch eShop. Uh, you can get in Nintendo, in Nintendo eShop in general, I should actually say. Uh, you can get games like Namco Museum Archives Volume 1 for just $5. Uh, Little Nightmares 2 is $5 off. Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythmic Adventure Pack is $10 off. I'm sure uh, Jared Petty is, go is going crazy with that one. In fact, it's $20 off, not even $10. $20 off. You get Jump Force for $25. Bucks. I didn't love Jump Force, but I'm sure somebody out there does. <laughs> <Get that there. laughs> Captain Tsubasa, Rise of New Champions. Oh, a whole bunch of games. A whole bunch of games you can get on the eShop. And so go check that out from Bandai Namco. Tim, folks can go over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where they can, they can one, get the show ad-free, but they can, two, write in questions. 
just like Hark It's Mark did. Hark It's Mark wrote in uh, to ask this. Hey, guys, with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, it seems clear that this generation of video games is going to reach striking distance uh, to the fidelity seen in films. That can attract more recognized acting talent in games. How do you feel about a future in gaming where AAA games come with a name attached? Obviously, this already occurs to a degree. See Far Cry 6 or Cyberpunk, for example. But this wasn't Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart featuring Blackjack and Tina Fey. We aren't expecting God of War Ragnarok to have... (laughs) Can you imagine Jack Black playing Clank? (laughs) That'd be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We aren't expecting uh, God of War Ragnarok to have Chris Hemsworth as Thor. What do you think... What do you think of this possible future? Personally, I hope that games continue to cultivate their own niche of star star talent like Troy Baker and Nolan North, but I'm worried that the suits in charge will see the marketing potential with adding more recognizable stars. Tim, do you do you do you feel what uh, uh or do you pick up with what its mark here is, is putting down? Do you feel like games could shift into possibly having big name celebrities starring in games and that being what sells games? I mean, they have. Like that, I feel like this is a, we're kind of living in this world already. We're a couple of years into it. Like, look at, look at Call of Duty, right? Like the last, mm-hmm. like, look at, look at the big actual AAA space. The last five years, every E3, there's some major actor in some project, whether it's yeah. uh, John Bernthal in uh, the Ghost Recon game Ghost Recon or, you know, Kevin Spacey or uh, Kit Harrington in, in, in yeah, exactly like all this stuff. It's like, there's a ton of. There aren't that many AAA games to begin with. So the percentage of AAA games that feature high-level traditional uh, acting talent, I think, is actually pretty high and significant. But when you look at something like Ratchet & Clank, that there is a legacy there with the voice actors that are in that level that um, that uh, Harkett's Mark is talking about here when he, he brings up Troy and Nolan, where it's like, you know, the, the voice actors for Ratchet & Clank have been in the industry 20 years plus right <laughs> like they were in since ratchet and clank one so there's the, definitely the the legacy there um in addition to that it's like the the voice actor for ratchet is the voice actor from titus the main character in final fantasy 10 like there, there's a lot of video game legacy there with them and i i imagine that will continue so i i don't think it's going to be an either or and i don't think that all video game voice actors quote unquote are going to be replaced by more mainstream talent but i do think that where applicable that it it makes sense, you know. Like I'm surprised that The Rock hasn't been attached to more things since Spy Hunter back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. just in terms of Spy Hunter three or or Kevin Hart, he- you know. But it's yeah. like there's just costs associated with that that they really need to look at and be like, is this worth it for the marketing? And in some cases, it's going to be worth it for the marketing for the games. Yep. I mean, twelve might be, minutes might is be an example Fortnite. where I think it's going to be worth it. Rock might be in Fortnite. Might I'm very convinced uh, that that's going to happen. Also, uh, Tim, it's pronounced Titus. It's not. I hate you. I hate you so fucking. I hate that but, laugh you did afterwards. You know, back back to my point, right? Like 12, 12, 12 minutes is, is a game where I think that, where I think that marketing is gonna pay off, right? Like having Willem Dafoe, having Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. having them star in that game. That game was gonna was going to be, I think, an indie indie darling, regardless. Hopefully, you know, I think it's gonna mm-hmm. be that. But having those names attached means that people from the mainstream are going to hear about it. People who mm-hmm. might not have given, might not have had thought about 12 minutes might hear about, oh, there's a game releasing that's starring Willem Dafoe and Daisy Ridley. I love the, I, I love them. I want to see what this is about. Oh, it's this weird, cool story with this weird, different art style and gameplay thing. That gives it the legs to maybe be a viral success. And, you know, I think that is a very specific, unique example. I think, you know, I think it varies based on what the property is and based on what the thing is. Uh, 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 to your point earlier, right? Like, I think talent is talent. 
uh, 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 Noah North, Troy Baker, uh, Ashley Birch, the 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 performers that we identify as the vid- uh, the video game performers, you know, like their talent, they're ob- they're they're oftentimes crossing over with other mediums as well, right? Like we see people show up in cartoons, we see people show up in movies or, or shows and other projects uh, uh, all the time, just like we see people like Norman Reedus cross over to video games every now and then. We see people uh, 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 like Shane from The Walking Dead cross over to video games every now and then. You know, I I, I think I think it is about what the project is and what you're looking for out of that, but in modern times, like Tim, for do you feel like movie stars that are that their role their role is to sell the movie exists as much as they used to? Because for me, I can't remember the last time I went to a movie based on a movie starring a certain person. Well, here's you know the I mean? thing, man. Yeah, 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 totally. But like the thing is, it does still exist. The scale's just all out of whack now because of how people consume content. But that does still exist. It's just in a different way. Like when you take mm-hmm. that idea and apply it to music, like there are people that sell out. There are many artists that sell out the you know local concert halls in different cities. There are few artists that sell out the arena tours, right? The arena tour people, those are the, it hits a household name. You're a Taylor Swift, yeah. right? And I feel like, that's the same thing in movies where the the hollywood kind of the the a celebrity um there is now a ironically triple a space where i do think the kevin hearts and the rocks like there is an F- sure. echelon there is a level where there are movies being made just because kevin hearts attached just because the rock is attached and those movies are made a certain way to make money and their point is to make money using the assets they have, which are these mega stars, right? Mm-hmm. There's a big drop off uh, underneath that to to that next level because yeah. you even look at it, things like I think Scarlett Johansson is a uh, is like some uh, one that people would use as an example that her level of fame and connection to to marketing and selling movie tickets in the '90s would have been extremely successful if if her level now was applied to the nineties is what I'm trying to say. She'd be on that nineties, Tom Cruise level of stardom and, and star power, but where she's at now, just with the way that things have changed movies. Now Avengers sells more than Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Black that's, Widow that's sells more point. than Scarlett yeah. Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like yeah, my point, you know, cause somebody, somebody in chat mentioned that like, like star power is still a thing. And I, I agree, but I think it, I, I I'm with you that I think there is way more of a drop off where there are fewer Kevin Hart's in the rocks than there have ever been where i i will show up for a movie starring kevin hart in the rock because they are starring in that movie mm-hmm. i'm not going to show up for a movie i'm not going to show up for a robert downey jr movie just because right of starring robert downey jr mm-hmm. i watch iron man because of mcu and i think there's i think there's more franchises that are selling uh, uh their products more so than the stars themselves being the thing and i think the stars themselves were the thing way more back in the day translate to translate to video games i don't like and, and, and maybe this is just because the medium right like I don't know if there are any stars that are selling video games by themselves. You know, like I don't think you can make a video game around a star. I I think you can, but I think it's very few specific people. But the thing here is like, I think that there's a level of what we're talking about selling is like things don't need to sell out arenas to be successful. And I think Mm -hmm. that uh, going down to hold on, someone in the chat said something I wanted to, to call out here. Uh, Groggy Pizza says, but then there are the Meryl Streeps and the Philip Seymour Hoffmans. Hollywood's much more complex than The Rock and Kevin Hart. It is, but those people don't sell on that level that The Rock and Kevin Hart do, like not even by a long shot. But 
groggy pizza brings up a good point that there are people that are interested and would watch a movie because of meryl streep or philip seymour hoffman because they're interested in the art and the craft that these art- artists bring to the table and that's where i think especially something like 12 hours in this 12 uh 12 minutes uh in this like in the indie space where it's like they are trying to do something that is more artful they're finding the right actors getting willem dafoe is a a, a huge it's willem dafoe james mcavoy right Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just pointing like, back to Daisy Ridley. And Daisy Ridley. Like, when you look at that, it's like that tells a story that's really interesting that all of a sudden that does sell the game more because that tells you a little bit more mm-hmm. about it. That tells you an understanding of like what you should expect from these performances and from the story they're trying to tell. Whereas like a game, if it was the same game featuring The Rock and Kevin Smith, uh, uh, not Kevin Smith, <laughs> that's funny too. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart. I think that, uh, that, that it'd, be, it'd be weird. And that's not the point of it. And it that wouldn't necessarily sell 12 minutes more. It would sell a Call of Duty potentially more. But Call of Duty is probably not even a good example. It would sell a... Because Call of Duty is the Avengers thing. Where it's yeah, it's bigger it's, than the it, actors. It, you know? But... Uh, yeah. God, I mean, Kevin to bring an example it. from you're wrong. Usually I, usually I don't like uh, want to argue back and forth with, with you're wrong. But I think uh, Juggs brings up something that a lot of people a lot of people would bring up. Uh, so Juggs and you're wrong mentions uh, Keanu fucking Reeves. You didn't mention the biggest E3 moment of the past few, year, few years when talking about stars being in video games. And what I would say to that is I don't think Keanu Reeves himself like alone sold Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk was going to sell regardless of Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves added to the hype and added yeah. to like... Yeah, added to, it was more additive to Cyberpunk. Uh, well, so we did anything. talk about it. That was in the question. Harkus Mark oh, said, okay. this occurs to agree with Far Cry 6 and Cyberpunk. Yeah. Cool. This has been a good conversation. I like this conversation. Uh, yeah. Tim, people mm-hmm. can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where they can write in, let us know what we got wrong, as we got it wrong, so you can correct it for those watching and listening later on YouTube and on podcast services. Next level, Nick wrote in to say, for clarity, it looks like only Xbox Series X version of Battlefield 2042 is $70. The PS5, oh, you know what? I'm, I should double check that, because that doesn't seem right. They're saying that only one version is $70, but I don't think that makes sense. And so, throw that one out. I'm going to double check that before I toss it out there. Toss Nana it, Bob, boss. Tossing it. Uh, Nail Bodges writes in and says, Tim forgot that Halo multiplayer is free for everyone. Uh, it is not part uh, of, uh, game, of uh, Xbox Game Pass. Or the Halo Infinite package more. as well. Yeah, I mean, like that's, yeah, it enhances the point I'm making that like there's going to be a player base that Battlefield's competing with that is inherent. Yeah. The, for the uh, Battlefield price thing, people are arguing in chat because different sources say different prices. And so, yeah, take that one with a huge grain of salt, uh, tossing it once again out the window. Let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, Carl says, why is Blessing hating on Doolittle, Robert Downey Jr.'s seminal work? Exactly. Is one of the worst rated movies in a long time, right? And then Druvenator uh, wrote in with clar- clarification saying uh that was a mistake ea confirmed that both ps5 and series x versions are 70 dollars. so there you go we're gonna roll with that for now if they if more news breaks over the weekend or over the week i'm sure we'll talk about it on this show but for now that's what we're rolling with tim it's been a wonderful episode uh but we got more episodes this week as e3 week uh continually rolls on and approaches at the same time tomorrow's host for kind of funny games daily are greg and andy that's right greg's gonna be hosting from la so get hyped for that if you're watching this live on twitch after this, is Snowbike Mike playing the new season of Fortnite? 
Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games daily, each and every weekday, live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, so stick around for that. Otherwise, till next time, game daily. <laughs>